Cool. So. I have some, some good idea about how to start the conversational morality, but I completely slipped my mind. Now you've completely forgotten it. Helpful. Um. Very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Very. I was hoping that you had a good idea about how to start the conversation on morality, because I don't. Yeah, you were, you were hoping for me to have that idea, but I was also having it, and then I lost it. Mm. And now I... Yeah, I'm basically in despair because I don't have that idea anymore. Okay. It was such a good idea. I'm, I've you know how to start the conversation on morality. Like, it just put everything together, you know, Louis C.K., you know, <laughs> that lecture on morality, like, everything was just so, you know, crystal clear, and I don't have it anymore. The perfect question, now lost forever. It's like the one that got away. It's a fishing story. Yeah. Well, why don't, why don't you start by just, um, just use Louis C.K. as somewhere to start? Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, I mean... Tell me how you feel about Louis C.K., how you feel about him, how you feel about his... Um, I'll his... Uh, Louis C.K. You know, the, okay. the uh, kind of a most interesting question for me yeah. here is that whether we can still, I mean, or me in this case, where I can still uh, watch, uh, you know, his <laughs> comedies, like listen to his comedies... Yeah. You know, it's the light of all of that. And I think I actually can. Yeah. Because I think that it's really helpful. And I think our current Western, I guess, culture, because I don't really know what other cultures are doing. Our Western culture isn't really good at separating a person from person's works. Absolutely. Uh, like, you know, with, yeah, maybe basically with everything, right? It's like, oh, you know, Wagner. this guy is Hitler. So let's, let's boycott his films and just Absolutely. let's go. Absolutely. It's a huge phenomenon. There's, there have been a number of articles in The Guardian, like that one that I, I sent you the link to, which have been about exactly this. And Jen's been sending them to me, and she and I have been discussing this issue over the last couple of nights, exactly this topic. And, of course, those Guardian articles are from the, the point of view that um, we can't watch him anymore. In fact, if you do like Louis C.K. now, that means you're accepting his worldview. And I just see that it is stupid. <laughs> that stupid. Totally. I see it as a very naive view. I mean, yeah. even, even though the author, you know, they're quite well-written articles, they're well-constructed and they have, you know, appropriate name drops of other historical figures or contemporary artists who've erred or whatever. But I think it's it, this is a question that people have been asking for a really, really long time. And there are, there are classic examples. And, you know, Wagner is a classic. Can a Jew listen to Wagner? You know, all yeah. that, that it's it's been really explored in the philosophical literature, um, and but I, I feel like it's, it's you know it's in general it's like wrong headed. Yeah. Like I like Lord of the Rings doesn't mean that I'm a Catholic, you know. Sure. Uh, like, yeah. I like Narnia, but that doesn't mean Absolutely. that I buy all the you know. You're a Christian mystic, yeah. Behind it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I like the piece of art. I don't care whether it was produced by you know a male or female sure, or by yeah. whoever. Like, you know, and it's funny as that long as, like, this is the bit that I like, you know, if it's a good joke, it doesn't matter whether, you know, Hitler came up with that joke, like, it doesn't taint the joke for me, Yeah. because it's kind of just information and abstract, right? Yeah, I mean, that, I think... that's, of course, the, the pure, pure romantic view, yeah, uh, yeah. and obviously I'm that as way inclined. Like, <laughs> yeah, as if, like, everything that I create, you know, is coming up from me, but that's not really the case. I'm more like, you know, a transistor of the culture right yeah. so if the culture speaks through me mm. and then i do other things mm. it's kind of a like they're not yeah they're all of them they come 
through me and from me, but sure. one is not necessarily connected with the other. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I, I agree that we can disconnect them and that uh, we should be able to appreciate a piece of art or, or, a, or whatever as in, in the abstract. And, and of course, there's that classic romantic view that the artist needs to be fatally flawed and all of that in order to, to make the art. But I'm not sure we can necessarily separate them causally. Like, I think that the fact that Louis C.K. has, you know, masturbation in his act a lot and he has a masturbation fetish are causally related. So that obviously adds a new level of, of difficulty. Of course, it's the same with Wagner. The reason his stories are the way they are is because he was an anti-Semite to some extent. You know, there are anti-Semitic yeah. components of his stories. And of course, you know, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, classic examples, but those are not as out in the open. Those People who are interested in those guys know that, but you can take those stories as just any old myth without feeling the um you know religious framework that is sort of hovering you know throughout them or above them whatever yeah but them. i mean louis k's act i mean like even if we separate you know the his act and like you know masturbation mm. jokes and that stuff and mm. the other things we still have the other things you know yeah. like i love the presentables <laughs> like i think this Brilliant, yeah. you know? He's a brilliant com and comedian. He's he's one of the best stand-up comedians alive today. That's That seems pretty obvious. I don't think anyone's really disputing that either. Um, yeah. Even th those people are saying, like, they're essentially martyring their enjoyment because those Guardian articles, they're all saying, you know, I, I really liked Louis C.K. and I denied this as long as I could, even though there were rumours. But now I have to take the big, you know, brave moral step and forget him and never, because if, you know, I'll be tarnished by his... That is so stupid. Yeah. That is so stupid. I mean, I feel like, you know, this is a uh, perception of, you know, humans and whatever, mm. culture, just everything, mm. in a kind of a really, you know, um, unsophisticated way. Mm. Like, we perceive everything just as a whole. Louis C.K., you know, exists as a whole, mm. as a human and a comedian and everything. Yeah. This is so stupid. It's, you know... Like, there are so many pieces. You don't necessarily have to take the entire Indeed, whole yeah. to appreciate some of the pieces. I think Pete, you know? that that tension, it's funny, actually, that tension between, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, holism and reductionism is actually deep in all of our philosophy. It's deep in science. It's, I mean, that's one of the, one of the fundamental, you know, ideological tensions in, in human thought, really, and in investigation of reality. And people aren't comfortable with being both, you know? People aren't comfortable with saying, of course there are emergent properties at this particular level which aren't present at this lower level, but of course we need to break things into their parts in order to understand them. You know, people can't switch back and forth between those levels yeah. very easily. But it also kind of, you know, the, in, another thing it played here uh, is that they uh, perceive that, you know, now if they find, find Lucy Key's jokes funny, it's kind of yeah. like they're bad. Of course, they're tarnished, so yeah. That, that implies that before they aren't bad, A, and B, <laughs> that also implies that they, they're not, you know, they're good and Lucy Key's bad. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I mean, I, like, you know, with June Peterson, whoever's, yeah. it's like, you are not good, yeah, you know, absolutely. like... Yeah. Like, like, it's 
feasible to imagine conditions where you know a person would not behave necessarily as Louis C.K. did, but yeah. would do something equally deplorable. Oh, it's far worse. And be, you know, altogether uh, a human being. But yeah. another thing here is like we don't have forgiveness at all. Mm. It's like mm. you've done this, you're done. Yeah. This yeah. is just so stupid. Well, the, the because, line, the line yeah. in that Guardian article that I thought would really annoy you and that yeah, really annoyed yeah, me. I haven't, I haven't, you, you keep bringing it up. Yeah, no, it was, it was something. Yeah, I know, but it was something about, um, you know, oh, I can't remember the exact quote, unfortunately, but it was about the impossibility of having empathy for a, um, you know, someone who'd committed sexual harassment. Um, for a sex offender or whatever their term, you know, their loaded terminology was, and I'm like, of course I have empathy for them. I have empathy for rapists, and I have empathy for you know people who who do much worse things. Doesn't mean again, like back to our constant theme of discussion, doesn't mean I don't judge them. Doesn't mean that it's not okay, um, you know, or doesn't mean that it's okay. I should say it's 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 really bad, and people get really hurt, even you know, with things like Louis C.K. did, which are much less worse. Then, yeah, but of course I have empathy for all those people, and and that's part of that thing that Peterson is referring to, and obviously you know it's it's I think it's quite centrally Jungian, um, is that that empathy is about understanding the the possibility that you or anybody could do something really bad in a certain set of circumstances, basically, and you're just you, you might not be masturbating in front of some woman. But yeah. you are substituting your, your specific, like, exactly. Go and I don't know, rob somebody. Yeah. And you yeah. like it, exactly. Like, this is you no know, the way to do, and then you might feel ashamed or whatever. And like you know, a lot of people will have their fit of anger, and mm. then afterwards they're like, oh, you know, I was under the influence yeah. of my emotions, and sure, it wasn't sure. really me, or being drunk, you know, yeah. being drunk and saying something like completely, you know, anger loaded yeah, and stupid, yeah. and then they're fine because you know I was just drunk. Well, yeah. maybe Lucy D was also drunk. Yeah. But also kind of it, like it was also it was compulsive just, behavior. It's the same thing, you know. It doesn't is, matter. Yeah. There's clearly like a lack of you know just ability to empathize. Uh, empathize. I don't know. I, I, I think put yourself is. in oneself into the position of others and yeah, just which like is empathy. yeah, okay. You know, it doesn't mean that again we have yeah. to say yeah, let's take it. You can continue on and just you know now yeah. do a good job. But of he's course. kind of not destroy him so much. Also, you know, in the light of this is such a, I mean, minor thing in, like, in the yeah. scheme of the world sure. happening. Like, yeah. I wonder how, you know, people in freaking, I don't know, uh, India or Arab world, they perceive him. I don't know, for, for some reason, I'm always bringing Arab world or India in this yeah, yeah. case. But yeah. it's like, you know, some girl, a Muslim girl, has having her, you know, clitoris cut out. <laughs> and she's like, wow, yeah. you know, yeah. she just yeah. jerked in front of some women. Well, yeah. like, mm, mm. You see, like this is not they yeah. don't really you know match up. It puts it puts things in perspective when you think like that, obviously. Um, yeah. And now I, I, I feel really bummed out. Not, no, we should not say, "Hey, we should go." No. You know, you're good guy, but absolutely. Like, but but also it it comes down to the question of of what is the purpose of punishment, which is obviously a very deep question in in moral philosophy as well. Um, I I believe, and I don't know that this is the case, and it and. You know, just keep saying neither does it excuse it or mean that he shouldn't be, you know, judged or in trouble for it. But I believe the last incident was some five years ago that the last incident that was alleged to have occurred. And we don't know what Louis's been through in the last five years with trying to transcend his addiction problem and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
And, you know, is punishment so that we, now that he's finally been caught, so that we get to assert our moral superiority over him? And this is a rhetorical yeah, question. Yeah, sure. exactly. I mean, <laughs> or is it so think... that we can stop him offending again? And, and you know, maybe he won't. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think that that's, that's the, uh, you know, goal that people are going to now. I think what most people are just, you know, why they're talking about it, I mean, that's not why we are talking about it, but that's why a lot of people I think are talking mm -hmm. about is that um, uh, they now want to have revenge upon him yeah. for previously finding their comedy on masturbation funny. Sure, so sure. they were like, previously they're like, oh, dirty. this is yeah. funny, you know, and they're yeah. feeling like slightly guilty, but yeah, this yeah, is kind yeah. of funny, this is comedy. And now this is all kind of all tainted by, you know, the fact that he actually did something like that. And they yeah. now feel bad about them finding that Absolutely. funny. And they want Absolutely, and they they need to assert their moral superiority, and the yeah. way we the way we do that is by you know asserting our moral superiority over some specific target who has transgressed. It's always easy to have that. It is like you're absolutely right. It's like a scapegoat for our own. Um, you know, it's it's a Jesus thing, really. We will cruci yeah. You know, it's literally we'll crucify him because he's now dying <laughs> for all of our sins. Yeah, and I mean, like. I mean, physical harm aside, right? You can probably, you know, make an argument that physical doing physical harm to a human is like, you know, in most cases, it's kind of right, unless you, I don't know, we're cutting the rotten flesh off or something like that, right? Mm. So unless you're trying to heal through physical harm, physical harm would always be immoral. But yeah. behavior would decay would not be always immoral. Like, you know, in a lot of cultures, it would be just nothing, right? It would be, or it would be way more, you know, bad than we having it now. So sure. we can easily envision a situation where position on his actions would be different from our yeah. moral judgment of it now. And that, that, so that yeah, and that's that's independent. It. That's independent of the actual impact, which could be very negative yeah. in either of those consequent in either of those worlds or either of those cultures. Okay. Um, the impact of his behavior on his so-called victim, on his victim, I think we can call them mm. a victim. Um, yeah, well, I mean, is, is independent. Yes, I guess is independent of that. But, I mean, there's also this other thing, which is very difficult to talk about, obviously, which is that in a lot of these cases, people will be exactly as damaged by their exposure to this unpleasant act as they think they should be. And what everybody else tells them about how damaging this act is and how perverse this is and what a, and, and what a victim they are, the worse the impact of that event is actually going to be on them. And again, this is not apologizing for the event or saying that it's okay. It's just saying that we have to find ways of coping with the bad stuff in the world, of which there's heaps. And being told repeatedly how awful the thing that's happened to us is, is not the way to coping. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially those women, like, I don't know how they feel about it now, but they essentially know should have felt that, you know, they're victorious. They kind of, you know, closed, I guess, the yeah. situation. And if that's the case, then, you know, that's good for him, for them. So yeah. if, you know, they feel like, you know, now sure. they've closed the situation, now mm -hmm. it's behind them, yeah. then, you know, all good. But if they continue to, you know, sit upon it and just like, you know, think, keep yeah. thinking about it and keep talking about it, that will be sort of weird. Well, it will be damaging for them. And, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. Those are the two responses they could have to yeah. to this outcome is that, you know, they, they, they're convinced by everybody else. Well, not convinced because they already, it, it obviously has hurt them. 
but everybody else's reaction to how much it's hurt them actually, um, you know, continues and, and magnifies their suffering. Or, yeah. absolutely, they feel that they've had, that, that justice has been served and they move on. And that'll be, that'll, that'll be proper. I mean, what would yeah. be more proper in vain of, I know, our historical civilization would be them coming up and saying, you know, hey, we forgive him for what he's done. Yeah, because that will be, you know, what, you know, kind of a, I mean, this is kind of a, a virtuous thing to do, essentially, right? Sure. I think it's yeah. hard to argue with that. I, I don't think, think yeah. one can construct an argument, even in nowadays reality, where forgiving a person who's done harm to you is, not, is yeah. not a strong or good thing to do, right? Yeah. So, but I kind of fail to see, you know, how that fits into our current reality. I fail to see any of that now, except for, I don't know, some, you know, whatever, Pope forgiving his shooters some time ago when when was that like several decades ago i guess even so like except for you know some people who are clearly associated with you know religion or christianity or whatever mm. buddhism right forgiving somebody who's done harm to you is like not something we do nowadays and it's not something we do as a culture and this i is not really good because that basically means that we're all, you know, like, you know, hot-tempered teenagers as a culture. Sure. That means that we just, you know, oh, this is right, we know what's right, we'll do what's right, you know, right, it's to crucify him, yay, we crucify him, on to the next target. Like, eh. mm, I wonder how, how soon we'll start crucifying each other. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I basically agree with that. I'm sure there are lots of examples, and I'm, you know, at a loss for, for major ones right now, but there'll be lots of examples of people who are not necessarily religious who have forgiven um, people who've offended against them in various ways. However, um, I agree that that's not necessarily the dominant behaviour, and whether that's ever been the dominant behaviour, I think would be very questionable. I, I think there is this. Well, it's not about it's not about it being a dominant mm. behavior. It's it being a you know foundational uh, value like, of the goal, society. But kind of you know a uh, a moral imperative, so to speak, or something virtue, right? An sure. open thing that we all agree that this is yeah. good. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Uh, to forgive your enemies because whatever God says us to, the reason doesn't actually matter as much as you know what the allows us to do because what it allows us to do is to have more coherent you know humanity sure and to sure. Have, well you know, i think this is a, this, this is an obvious peace, you know peace between each other this is an issue with with the plurality and cosmopolitan nature of cultural evolution today probably in that there is no specific guiding framework uh which has these things built into it that kind of that no one can argue with this is a consequence you know, you can say, and of course, I'm going to qualify this if I'm given the opportunity, but you can say this is a consequence of, you know, quote-unquote enlightenment values, values that have always been present in the philosophical uh, stream of, of cultural evolution, always been present, but that became very dominant, you know, during the enlightenment. And you only have to talk about, you know, my favorite motto, the Royal Society's motto of take nobody's word for it, nullius ad verba. And that writ large means that now everybody feels that they have the right to criticise every piece of, um, you know, cultural inheritance. Um, every yeah, well, I, 
what in 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 light of that, in view of that, uh, where do you think we currently stand in terms of moral evolution? I mean, because it kind of seems to be a uh, you know back backwards movement. Well, I, I yeah, I, or a kind of a re reset <clears throat> to you know some can stage. I answer, yeah, all right. If I answer if I answer the question, I think, and this is my optimistic. Uh, interpretation, because all, yeah, thing, all things considered, I like, I like optimism. Oh yeah, I all like. things considered, I think it's much better to have an optimistic interpretation. <laughs> I would say, oh, yeah. and, and I'll you know I'll try and use an analogy from from uh, you know the biological world and biological evolution. You know, antibodies would be would be a classic example. But obviously, you and I work on on venom systems, and we often talk about venom genes as being hyper variable. Uh, I'm not going to bore anyone who might listen to this by going into too many details, but we're, we're in a we're in a situation that I think of as hyper variable. I don't think we're losing all the cultural capital of the past as such. I don't think we're going to lose that, but I think we we've kind of exploded into this period where you know mutation rates in ideas are at a at an all time high, and that's because of this pan criticism thing. But obviously, I am. You know, I'm a fallibilist, fallibilist, I'm a popperian. Clearly, I think that critical rationalism is, is, is a good thing and that all ideas are up for criticism, assuming that one is capable of, of criticizing them. Um, so what I think is we're in this period of hypermutability, but I think the momentum and the trajectory is very much in the right direction. So as an optimist, I tend to think we're going to be discovering rapidly, like we are, you know, ending slavery, um, you know, in bringing down racism, bringing down sexism, all of these things, which are, have massively decreased no matter what, even if there's a little resurgence maybe of certain things at the moment because we're in this really unstable, uh, you know, highly noisy period, heaps of random variation being thrown out. I think even during the earlier parts of that period, like the pre-social media parts, we were acquiring rapidly new leaps forward morally. So I think we're, at, we're actually at a, at a, at a, at a peak but we're at a peak of where there's heaps of noise. And, I, and that makes the future obviously much more difficult to predict with any degree of accuracy because there's so much variation now that who knows what's going to come out of it. And of course, uh, that's why you and many others like to liken it to the dissolution of Rome and things like that because there's... Yeah. And I totally get that. And, and <clears throat> it, is, it is analogous to that, but... I like to remain optimistic, thinking that we are going to come out of it ahead. Okay, that's good. Um, uh, <laughs> do you uh, so? Do you see you know moral evolution or morality, for that matter, mm. as like you know multi-variable slash factor thing, or do you see it as you know straightforward, yeah. uh, like one basically axi yeah. axis? thing so okay yeah i mean that, uh, that so like you know so like you know steven pinker yeah uh, for sure. tends to think of it as just you know one axis sure. and so does sam harris good or bad you know, right classically I mean, yeah. but can be like progress into the better world or we can just you know progress into the sure. worst sure. Uh, sure. world in terms of our morality and he yeah. says that we are going into the constantly progressing into the good stuff and we're better and better but I'm not sure if I buy that. Yeah. I do see that we are getting better in some sense. But then also, you know, I'm not sure if it's one, uh, like, you know, parameter, one axis 
mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, like, we we become better to each other, but we're still, you know, equally, uh, not even equally, but even, like, more so uh, disinterested with suffering of some tribes that we don't care about. So, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, I'll, like, the Western civilization, you know, America mostly, is preoccupied with what happens in America. And it only is interested in other things outside of America, only by extent well, to can which I, it can I, can I concerns jump in? America. So, you know, at the same time as Lutike was doing his stuff, mm-hmm. in India, you know, a drunk person raped 100-year-old mm-hmm. woman and mm-hmm. died because of that. And you would like, this is way more, you know, quote-unquote interesting as a media story because it kind of, you know, is... Yeah, I mean, obviously Lutike is somebody and, you know, that 100-year-old woman isn't, but as far as human... Uh, life goes, as far as, you know, the essence of humanity goes, this is a pretty interesting story, because it has a lot of stuff. A, you know, she lived up to be 100 year old, B, she was raped by a drunken guy, and C, she died because of that. Like, there is a lot of things, you know, happening on it. Nobody would care, because it's India, right? Well, hang on, yeah, so, I mean, you asked me the question, and then you you gave a really long spiel with a lot of interesting examples, and I don't know if I can do justice to the original question if I respond to all of those original yeah, <laughs> examples. Original. Um, all, of those, all of those examples. Um, obviously, people are going to care about the things that are closest to them and most relatable to them. And that's just, I mean, there are limits to empathy and it will, I think it will basically always be like that. And I think there are very, you know, obvi- I keep saying obvious. Bianca's told me not to say obvious. Uh, told us not to say obvious. I, I, I think there are... There Why? Are... Because it's not obvious for other people. Well, or is it because just like we're kind of like, yeah, this is obvious. Yeah. And in fact, it's like not that obvious. Why? Well, my response to her was that I agree it's a bad thing and that we do it, and I've been doing it probably more than you in this talk, but we do it as a, pe- a preemptive ego strike because we are actually trying to cover much more ground than we're going to let each other cover. So... We have to sort of slip these things in there, like don't respond by telling me something that I already know, because ob- this is obvious. You know, it's obvious that I already know this. I think that's I think that's part of it. I think that's an unconscious an unconscious motivation for it. Um, but anyway, I think people are for for obvious tribal <laughs> for obvious tribal reasons. Um, if you think about human evolution we in groups have been a dominant uh concept we've been very tribal we've only cared for those who were very very close to us who we knew well indeed that starts with the family members and of course that is the evolution of morality that is the the evolutionary tale of how morality gets started through things like kin selection and social cohesion and reciprocal altruism and all of that kind of stuff and of course we haven't fully transcended that yet we still uh, we still find people more similar to us in situations more similar to us, far more relatable than people in completely different situations to us. But I do think it's impossible to argue against the fact that we now have way more interest and care way more about people such as people in India, uh, 
people on the other side of the globe than we ever have before. I mean, for the simple fact that we actually know about them, that they are on the news all the time. They may not, you know, of course, thousands of terrible <coughs> things are happening all over the world constantly, and they can't all be on the news or all be headlines. But you can't really point to any era before now where people were more interested in the contemporary events that are going on elsewhere in the world. I, you know, I do think the ancient world was a lot more connected than most people think. So there was news and people were interested. But I just think the internet, I mean, television, the news, you think about Vietnam and the difference between a televised war and a, you know, a, a war that wasn't televised. And I just think we take way more interest in that stuff now. So I have to just quickly respond to your first question, which is that, you know, to what degree is there such a thing as moral relativism? You know, to what degree can many different moral structures be equally good, right? And that we only think that things are moral or immoral based on our, you know, enculturation within some culture. And I think, of course, I, I don't, I'm not an extremist on either of these viewpoints. You know, I think they both have something to say. Of course, I think that there is a, a, a certain kind of truth and I'm, I'm hesitant to say objectivity because these are very loaded words, but I think there's a certain truth in the pragmatic sense that, you know, Peterson and many others would like to use the word truth in the notion that there is a particular, you know, right way to treat other people, yes. And I do think it's an evolutionary truth. Again, I think it comes out of social cohesion and reciprocal altruism and all that kind of stuff. But then I think there are certain trappings of our morality that are you know not necessarily absolutely correct you know cannabis is evil cannabis is bad alcohol is good you know that that's yeah no, that, that's that's simple but you know mm. this is not kind of how we relate to other people this is how we relate to you know things outside but in terms of how we relate to other people i think we also have you know certain things that will be different from culture to culture yes. like you know in sparta spartans wouldn't understand at all why we think that, you know, a person who'd been, you know, uh, whatever, harassed, why he has anything to say about that. Sure. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have something. Yeah. I'm just saying that Spartans would be like, come on. Of you course. Know, he so, was, you know, weak and the strong had advantage of him. So sure. there is one chance for him to, you know, be, become a better person is to become strong and do something about it. Well, of and course. And it's not about just... Kind of, you know, running around and saying, "Hey, help me, society," because I've been, you know, a victim. Yeah, sure, but, but I don't. I don't think you can easily write off the progressivist view of morals, um, the idea that there is such a thing as moral progress. Yeah, but so that's, abject yeah, relativism. But let's, let's actually let's actually get to this because mm. uh, I'm kind of agree that we are getting better. I right. kind of agree, and I, you know, I see it more in the terms of how we. Uh, behave towards animals, you know, what, sure. is, what we yeah. ask, you know, that there are uh, a lot of vegans, vegetarians, sure. because they don't want, you know, animals to suffer. Whether yeah. that actually helps to reduce animal suffering is the side question. But of it's course, like yeah. people caring about animals, people sure. see animals as something that, you know, is relatable to them. And I think this is a huge progress. At the same token, you know, I'm not entirely sure if our perception of how things were badly, mm. uh, you know, how things were bad in the sure. uh, previous centuries or, you know, eras yeah. is uh, disturbed because only, you know, we passed on to the bad stuff. Like, we, you know, have yeah. memories about 
uh, or records about Inquisition torture, but sure. we have few records about the festivals at the same time. Sure. And so maybe, you know, it wasn't that bad, right? Because, yeah. you know, we just take into consideration the torture, tortures, but then if we compare them to the tortures in the Vietnam War that American soldiers were doing, and, you know, the way yeah. they were, you know, just mutilating women and doing, like, all the nasty yeah. stuff, yeah. it's really bad. Like, it's yeah. not better than what the inquisitions sure, were doing sure. just inquis inquisitors they just had more time to you know sure. tinker with this and, and it was more institutionalized like, more yeah but the sheer damage and the cruelty that they sure. were uh, exercising sure. on human beings is the same Comparable. so but i don't think it's I, I think it is an important point that that was institutionalized and rationalized and that there was a you know a big body of literature exp you know malleus maleficarum obviously and yeah. others explaining how and why and justifying and that it was a dominant view yeah, but of society. whatever doesn't tell you how to torture victims. It tells you that you use torture to get things. I mean, to get, you know, yeah, yeah, the... Sure. Um, what's the phrase? Um, uh, what's the word when a person says, yes, I'm guilty? What's Confession. Confession. Huh? Confession, yes. To get confession from victims, you can yeah. you're welcome to use torture, uh, sure, sure, sure. Uh, you know, but they for for that reason. Yeah. But they are uh, they are saying how to do that. No, they I realize saying... that. I'm just saying that there's an institutional and very logical, rationalized justification for that behavior. And there is that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not naive. There is that kind of like thing. That. I'm pretty sure that we have something like that, or, or, you know, in terms of, like, CIA. Yeah, that's that, what I was know, just about or, to say. I mean, they obviously the like, exist. We have torture chambers, right? I mean, of course. we have, but there are. They obviously exist. However, and, yeah, those rationalizations exist, absolutely. However, they are not. I mean, now they have to be covert. So even if you want to look at it as a very small piece of progress, and again, you know, there's a lot more to talk about in the whole idea of progress than this one issue. But if you want to take just this, you know, approach to torture as a very, very small piece of progress, you can look at the fact that the CIA and other organizations that, you know, we know have, have had frameworks for torture in the very recent past and probably still do, have to do it covertly because of the risk of condemnation of their own people. Um, so there is a difference but, you know, in the zeitgeist. Inquisition being, you know, like a very strong example, but, you know, mm. it would be for Christianity if people wouldn't see torture as something really bad. Sure. Because the Christ is kind of the figure of sure. Christ stressed on the idea that he really suffered a lot. Sure. And because they went through that suffering, you know, basically uh, still having their faith, yeah. they're really, you know, like saint people. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, people were always kind of um, not happy with this sure. because, you know, it's clear that if you are, if you have any ability to empathize with the victims of torture, you understand that you don't want to be there, like, yeah. not 